You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, where I am only going to do one thing forever on this show, and that is to bring you the best thinkers, the best teachers, the best dentists, the best influencers anywhere in this amazing industry to give you some good stuff to think about so you can create a better practice and a better life. And today we bring back a friend of ours, T-Bone, Dr. Tarun Agarwal. And today he discusses a whole new framework on case acceptance, the 90-10 case acceptance concept, which I don't think I've ever heard. What a great way to reframe how you think case acceptance. So make sure you check it out. I know you guys will enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast, where I have one game to bring you some of the best educators in the world to change your thinking a little bit, improve your practice and improve your life. And today we're going to do just that with an amazing leader in dentistry, T-Bone Agarwal. I'm so pumped to have you here. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Kirk. I'm super excited to be here and talk with you and I love your energy and I love that you're bald like me. So that, uh, that makes us brothers from another mother. Yeah, but I've been bald since 14. Okay. So that's not fair. You know, I was doing the comb over like going. And so I put hairspray in it and go like that. So I've never had luck with hair. So, um, but uh, today we're going to be talking about the 90, 10 case acceptance component. In full transparency, I don't even know what it is, but I know we're going to have a good ride here. So, but, (laughs) but but let's do this before we get started. I got a lot of young listeners. I want them to know who T-Bone is. So who's T-Bone? Give Uh, us a little background. Well, look, dude, I'm just an ordinary guy. I like to think of myself as an ordinary guy. I know sometimes people don't view me as that. Uh, But look, I'm a English is my second language. I moved here when I was two years old. Uh, My dad was a dentist. I grew up uh, living in a motel uh, because uh, my dad couldn't go to dental school and he bought a motel like all other Indians do. And uh, to make extra money on the side, he did denture work uh, for some other practices in the area. And I remember... Uh, watching my dad uh, set teeth and make dentures. I remember that sometimes dinner would be a little bit late because he was processing the dentures in the sink and on the stove. And I loved how he talked about dentistry being an amazing profession. And I knew at a very young age that it's what I wanted to do. Uh, Dentistry um, filled my my need to be an entrepreneur, my desire to be a business owner and a little bit of an entrepreneur. And it also filled my desire to have stability and security because we don't know too many dentists that are broke and or out of work. And, we, you know, generally speaking, we do pretty well through recessions and things. Uh, so that, that's kind of my story. And then, you know, I went to dental school uh, straight out of high school. I went to a combined six-year program in Kansas City. I uh, had an amazing experience there. Uh, very fortunate that I was surrounded by great professors and instructors there. Moved back to North Carolina. Uh, I was an associate at a DSO before they were called DSOs and a private practice part-time, part-time for six months. Uh, figured I knew better than everybody else and started my own practice. Quickly figured out that uh, I almost went bankrupt my first year because I tried to do fee-for-service cash only uh, as a startup. Uh, terrible idea. 
Uh, and then I learned to take insurance. I was an HMO dentist for a couple of three years to make ends meet. Uh, and then slowly started developing myself and figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, here I am 22 years later, uh, still loving what I do and uh, slowly evo continually evolving who I am as a dentist and who I am as a business owner along the way. Yeah. And then along the way, I started uh, learning how to share my story and share the dentistry I was doing and how we were doing it. And that led to being a speaker that led to running seminars, running training programs and different things like that. Yeah, your story is amazing. And it's pretty cool to watch it now. Uh, um, I want people also to know, you know, you and Sully and Aaron Elliott have created something special. You actually have a oh. retreat center. Yeah. Um, and what are you what are you doing now? Like we're, we're going to get we're going to get into all this, but like tell them what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, you look, we have a company called 3D Dentists where we help uh, dentists simplify dentistry. We try to get rid of the overwhelm, the clutter, the chaos, the burnout by honestly just just viewing dentistry as, as, as simple as possible. And, and uh, in 2021, uh, we bought a 10-acre retreat. It's a six-bedroom home with a – it used to be a 12-car garage that's now our training center. Uh, and basically, we have uh, all of our training programs here at the retreat. And 12, up to 12 or 15 people stay on site. The rest stay at a hotel about two miles away. And it's, it's for dental nerds. If you love dentistry and you're passionate about dentistry and you want to be surrounded by people who, who are into winning in their practices – uh, then our retreat is phenomenal. If you want to be lazy and you want to stick around your dental society and your study club where everybody complains about sh stuff, then you stick to that. We're not the right place for you. But yeah. uh, if you think there's more for you, we're a great choice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. <laughs> Flip up and you're going to see a link to it. You can check it out and see what T-Bone and those guys are up to. But T-Bone, take us through this. Like, first of all, yeah. you got to explain the concept. What's 9010? Yeah. Why is it important? And then we'll go into the weeds. Yeah, I really want to call it 1090, but nobody wants to listen to 1090. <laughs> They'd rather, rather listen to 9010. Right. So here's what I believe. I believe we have been massively misled about case acceptance and what case acceptance should be. We're all led to believe that case acceptance should be as high as possible. And I actually want case acceptance to be around 10%. Uh, and I, before you turn me off and before you think I'm crazy, let me explain the 90% part of it, okay? Here's what I think happens. We see a tooth, we tell a patient they need a tooth done, and we forget about everything else going on in the mouth. And we never give our patients a chance to say yes to doing all of their dentistry in fewer well-planned visits. Right. So <clears throat> the concept that we've come up with, and it's not, by the way, none of this stuff is mine. I've taken it from people like you, people like Paul Homley, people like Frank Spear, John Coyce, all the greats, Omar Reed, all of these people that I've just digested it into uh, just in a way that I think about things. And, and so the 90-10 concept comes from this. I want 10% case acceptance, okay? And what I mean by that is if Kirk came in as a patient and he's got a mouthful of old amalgams that are starting to break down, I want Kirk to say 10% of the time, I want Kirk to say yes to doing everything. Right. But 90% of the time, I want Kirk to say yes to doing at least one area of his mouth. Okay. So some is it's a some some are all concept. Okay. Yes. So I tell patients you have the right to do choose to do some of it, none of it, or all of it. Okay. So 90% choose to do some of it. Some 90%, some people choose to do none of it and 10% choose to do all of it in fewer well-planned visits. And, and that's the premise of the concept. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd love to walk through how we get there, why we get there, the purpose behind it. Uh, and, and, and because it's a passion of mine, it's, it's what drives my practice and what drives me to stay in dentistry. Uh, because you know, my, my typical day is four patients. Yeah. Okay. Go back to this. Cause I'm digging this. The okay. concept alone speeds up the conversation. So let me explain, mm -hmm. like the case acceptance thing. As soon as you talk about case acceptance, people are like, okay, well, let's start here. Like case acceptance, like did you present it that day? Like how much did you be like, now, yeah. now you're just going straight there and present. you're presenting all of it and just which side of the fence did the yeah. conversation go, right? In a sense, yes. Okay, we don't we don't present what people aren't ready to hear right. or willing to hear. So we, we believe in a non confrontational, non salesy approach uh, to to uh, case acceptance. We believe in an influential approach to case acceptance, not an educational approach to case acceptance. 
and and so so we have a four-step process that we teach okay uh, and, and so I think that'll kind of walk us through all of this okay yeah so the first part let me go through the four steps and then we'll break it down okay Sounds good the four steps are good diagnosis good, uh, influential communication firm financial arrangements and priority scheduling okay so we'll, those are the four components we'll walk through those and kind of break it down and I'll answer any questions uh, that we got on it okay I love it love it so start so let's start with diagnosis yeah. all right let's start with diagnosis number one the first concept is is we have I think it's our ethical obligation to fully diagnose what all is going on in the patient's mouth number one that doesn't mean make up things that doesn't mean everybody's a full mouth rehab that just means if you looked at this patient and you assume and this is a big assumption that we have to get through our heads we assume that money is not an object okay we have to diagnose with the assumption that money is not an object and the second assumption i take is that what would you do if this were your mouth okay so if it's your mouth and you believe that amalgam should stay then amalgam should stay if it's your mouth and you believe amalgam should be replaced with tooth colored fillings replace them with tooth colored fillings if it's your mouth and you believe it needs an inlay it needs an inlay if it's your mouth and you believe the tooth needs an onlay it needs an onlay so so number one it's what you believe in what you would do if it were your mom your sister your brother yourself sitting in the chair number one that that to me dictates diagnosis and then the second part of it is, Wait, is can I, ask I just you, assume I absolutely because I know you're a big fan of this, like you're a big fan of metrics. So, and you talk to a lot of young dentists. Let's talk about the yeah. inherent problem of number one. And, and you, yeah. you hear all everybody like, whether it be dental intel or somebody like diagnosis nationwide is what? 26%. Can you talk about why that's a problem? And even when you talk to these young dentists, what do you feel like their major fear is when you talk about diagnosis? Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're fear of overwhelming the patient. We have a fear of hearing no. And I, I think the crutch of the problem is, is we don't know what we're looking at. We just, we don't have the diagnostic eyes to see. Like, like I'll give you an example. Uh, last week in one of our programs, I put up a picture and I asked all 12 dentists in the room, put up a treatment plan for this from this one picture. Assume money's not an object. Assume what would you do if this were your mouth? And the treatment plans ranged from, $500 to $30,000. Wow. Okay. Some, some people noticed the recession and suggested soft tissue grafting. Some people noticed the malocclusion and suggested orthodontics. Some people noticed the need for a guard. Some people noticed uh, cracks in teeth and wanted to do restorations. So I think a lot of it starts with number one, we don't have the eyes uh, of what's going on. Uh, number one, number two, and, and maybe probably more important than even number one is, we're running around on roller skates. Yeah. We're literally spending two, three minutes doing all of this. And it, it so much has been left to the dentist because we're the diagnosers. And I don't, I believe we're the confirmers, not the diagnosers. Like so much of this should be team driven, but it doesn't become team driven until it becomes dentist driven first. Right. Uh, so I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, we're running around uh, because I, look, all the young dentists I talk to, uh, they're working two, three chairs, plus they're doing hygiene checks. And when I work like that, my hygiene checks are, we'll walk that. We'll look at that next time. We'll talk about this next time. Hey, I'm running 10 minutes behind in the next room. Do I really need to see the patient? So so we, we call this phase slowing down to speed up because we've got, we, we want to get to a concept of one column, one dentist. I don't want our dentists scheduled more than one column of dentistry. Right. That leaves good time to do great hygiene checks. And when you do great hygiene checks, you diagnose more, okay? And then when you diagnose more, you become more productive. The whole concept of running multiple chairs is to make up for the fact that we're just doing a lot of small things on lots of different patients. And we want to move to a concept of fewer well-planned visits. I'm loving this. And the problem between the problem about me interviewing you is I'm going to come up with like 90 more questions. On Perfect. Yeah, that's, Wait, that's, no, no. that's what I want. Can I dish this to you? Because I get these questions. I'm yeah. just going to throw, and you probably get them too, you know? So let's, let's pretend I'm a 32 year old dentist. I'm sitting in your course. I'm okay. like, T-bone, I'm totally digging it. Yeah. But like, help me through this. Uh, man, I got like 3000 PPO patients. Like, sure. so, we're, yeah. so what do, where do I start? you know, with this okay. thing, what, what yeah. would you say? Yeah. So, so, uh, 
look, I'm going to use lots of sayings and I want to break them down. Okay. The first thing I want to do is I want to create a problem before we fix the problem. And what, what you just said to me was, um, you're giving me the problem before you even try to fix the problem. Right. Right. So let's create the problem. Let's create the problem that I can't see all 3000 of my patients. Because by the way, nobody says you got to have 3000 patients. Amen. Okay. And, and and by the way, I'm not an advocate of dropping insurance plans. I mean, I'm not saying you need to or have to or should. Uh, I'm just saying at some point we have to prioritize the dentist. It's got to be dentist first. It's got to be the name on the door. You know, and even if you're an associate listening to this, you're an entrepreneur within the practice that you're in. Okay. So you own your operatory. So you control. That's the beauty of dentistry. You control what you do. Yeah. You know, you, you literally call the shots. That's why we went into dentistry. And so many of us got into dentistry to call the shots. And the next thing you know, the inmates started running the asylum and we're no longer in control. So, so there's somebody that says, I got 3000 patients. I would say, listen, I get it. Step one is let's start with diagnosing everything in the mouth. Okay. I'm not saying present it to the patient. I'm just saying in your mind, when you see your mouth, diagnose everything that you see. That doesn't mean everybody needs full mouth rehab. Right. It just means diagnose what you would do if that were your mouth and assume that money's not a pro- object. Love it. Just start with that assumption. Okay. Yeah. The next thing, next thing we do is move to our communication phase. Okay. Now we've got, we've got this overwhelming treatment plan, correct? Right. Because most of our patients have a lot of needs. Okay. A lot of even elective dentistry that we, and when I say elective, I'm not even talking cosmetic. To me, elective is ortho, it's soft tissue grafting, it's replacing missing teeth, it's being proactive on the dentistry that's 10, 15 years old and probably time to update it. It's kind of like the other day, I went, I got a flat tire on one of my uh, on one of my tires on my car and they said, hey, by the way, your other three tires are, are starting to get low in tread. Do you want to proactively go ahead and deal with this or do you want to come back to us in six months and deal with it? And I said, well, let's just go ahead and deal with all four of them now and be done with it. Right. Right. Great question. And that's, you know, that that's the analogy I like to use with dentists. Okay. And, and ultimately they didn't tell me I needed to replace all four tires. They gave me a choice. Right. Right. So when we get to communication, then we start with what's called a permission, permission and choice dialogue. And the permission is, Hey, Kirk would be today be a good day to talk to you about everything that I see in your mouth. And mm-hmm. it's like, duh, of course, that's what I'm here for. Correct. Love it. Okay. And then, Kirk, I want to give you a choice, okay? The choice is, is I can talk to you about everything that's going on, and it may sound a little overwhelming, but it'll give you the option to plan out what's going on and kind of get an idea what's coming up down the road. Or I know that you mentioned you were having pain down here. If you'd like, we can just focus on this one area. Which works best for you? Yeah. Okay? And, And now, Kirk, the patient, chooses, do we tell him everything or do we tell him one thing? Yeah. Now speak to this. I feel powerful when you're giving me choices. Like I feel exactly. I feel like I'm in control a little bit. And that's why patients don't feel sold to people feel sold to when you tell them what they want or you choose for them. And so to me, everything's about giving the patient the choice. It's your teeth. It's your mouth. I I, frankly, I don't care what you do. I really, I legitimately don't care what you do. Yeah. You know? So, so the first step is we got to give them permission and choice. The second part of this on the communication side. And I, look, I'm just trying to keep it simple. Like there's so much more to this, but I want to give everybody something. I want to give them nuggets that they can, they can start with without having to be neurolinguistic, right. like psychologists and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, the second part of it is I want to give, I want to give every patient a chance to, to do something like this. Kirk, if, if it's possible, would you be interested in getting all your dentistry done in as few as a single visit? Okay. And what patient says, no, I'd rather come back to the dentist eight times? Nobody. Nobody, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I frame it as, would you be interested in trying to get all your work done in a, in a single visit? Right. And I, I know the dentist is out there saying, well, what if it can't be done in a single visit? Then don't offer it in a single visit. Say right. in as few visits as possible. Right. Okay. Because not everything can be done in one visit. Okay. But the premise is I want, I want Kirk to say yes. I want to get it done in a single visit. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kirk, if I came to you and I said, Hey, would you like to get this done in a single visit? 
or as few visits as possible, what would be the typical objection or what, how would the typical patient respond to that? I think they're going to pick the path of least resistance, the few, as few visits as possible. Like, right. And I mean, but what would be the barrier? Dentist, but I don't want to go back a lot, you know? Yeah. And what would be the common barrier that would keep people from doing it in as, as few visits as possible? Well, the fear of, you know, fear of unknown, fear okay. of, you know, like fear of confusion. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then usually you're, you're money put, comes up. Yeah. You're putting me on the spot. I'm not that smart. Yeah. So like, <laughs> <laughs> but usually money comes up, right? Right. The answer is, is great. If it fits in my budget or depending on how much it costs, I, of course I want to do it in one visit. That's typically what we hear. Yeah. And that's where I want the patient to get to. In other words, I, w- I want to start with, diagnosing everything I see in the mouth as if it were my mouth. I want to ask the patient, do I, do they want to hear about everything or do they want to focus on just a single area? And then I want to ask them, would you like to do everything in as few visits as possible? Yeah. Okay. And a typical patient is going to say, of course I would, but how much does it cost? Right. 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 And then we get to, then we get to block number three, which is our firm financial arrangements. Okay. And this is where, this is where, most people have dropped the ball. They've been taught, they, they, they diagnose, they give patients a chance to say yes, and then patients say no because they can't afford it. Mm. And then, then we get retrained. Instead of presenting Kirk with $3,000 of dentistry, let me just present Kirk with what insurance will cover. Right, right. right? That, and that's why I need 3,000 patients, correct? Right, for sure. Because I need 3,000 3, patients to do $400 worth of dentistry <laughs> for me to make a living. Are you, are you listening in on our conversations here? Like that's so true. So, well, because I've been there, that's why I get it. I'm a practicing dentist. I'm a PPO office where three dentists in our practice. And, and I've been there. I get all of these fears. I didn't, I didn't wake up being the way I am. I've developed some of these skills. Uh, Some of it's natural. Sure. But I developed these skills from making mistakes, from getting my door slammed in my face, from having patients say no enough but the difference is I thought through, like, why are they saying no? Right. Or I asked patients, why did you say no? Right. And, and somebody says, well, I, I just can't afford this. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have some curiosity. I, I'm noticing your language choices here. You said the word firm. There's got to be a yeah. reason behind the word firm. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's walk through box number three, firm financial arrangements. Okay. Our concept here is that in our practice, we make, we make a simple promise to our patients. Before we ever begin on you, Kirk, we're going to give you in writing what we're doing, how long it's going to take, how much it costs, and exactly how you can pay for it. Love it. In writing, okay? And that's our financial menu, mm. okay? So before we get into that, let's, let's back up for a second, okay? Patient affordability has very little to do with price. All right, explain okay? that. Explain that. Okay. Absolutely. So what did a truck cost in, uh, we, we're in America. Okay. Uh, land of everybody drives a big truck. Right. Okay. A truck when I was growing up cost $25,000, a For nice sure. truck. Yeah. Okay. And it was probably $300 a month, right? Three, $400 a month. Okay. Today, a nice truck costs 50 to $60,000 or more, but it's yeah. still, or, uh, you know, a, a nice, I'm not talking about a luxury, super luxury truck. Okay. Yeah. But a, a pretty nice truck, 50 to $60,000, sure. but it's still, three to $400 a month. Yeah. Now in, in the eighties and nineties, the average car loan was four years. Okay. In 2020, the average car loan is six to seven years. Yep. The price has gone up, but the payment has remained relatively the same. That's affordability. Yeah. True. So patients aren't saying no to your fees. Patients are saying no, that they can't fit it into their monthly budget. And in America, excuse me, in America, we all live in a monthly budget. I don't care how much money you make minus, you know, minus, you know, excuse my language, minus FU money. Okay. (laughs) But, but billionaires and things like that. I live in a monthly budget. I didn't pay cash for my house. I got to pick what fits in my budget. Right. Okay. So it's the same concept. So, so patients aren't saying no to the dentistry. They're saying, no, you haven't provided me a way to fit it into my budget. Right. Okay. And an amazingly underutilized uh, uh, service in every practice is the use of third-party financing. Okay. Payment plans. How do we make this affordable? Payment plans is all about affordability. 
okay? Uh, at the end of the day, a $1,500 crown is super expensive. A $2,000 crown is super expensive. A $1,000 crown is super expensive, okay? It, it doesn't matter. It's all a lot of money to the average, average person in this country. So the firm financial arrangement starts with the concept of a financial menu. Imagine if you went to a restaurant, Kirk, and they every every waiter or waitress had to tell you what's on the menu. Mm-hmm. That'd be tough. Like, how much would you buy? It'd be tough, right? But what do they give you? They give you a menu in writing that spells out exactly what they offer and exactly how much it costs. Yeah. Okay. So, so our concept starts with the financial menu that tells the patient exactly what we're doing, how much time it's going to take, exactly how much it costs, and then the, the kicker part of it is exactly how they can pay for it. Yeah. Okay. And the exactly how they can pay for it is two options. Well, two categories. Category number one is you can pay in full. Okay. Category number two, you can choose payment plans. Yeah. And on the payment plan, on every one of our financial menus, we have five choices. You can do 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 60 months, or 84 months. That's one year, two years, three years, five years, and seven years. Every single patient gets a financial menu where their fee is automatically broken down into one-year payments, two-year payments, three-year payments, five-year payments, and seven-year payments. Yeah. Okay? Automatically. Okay? Yeah. Every patient is given that. Okay? And the patient chooses which fits in their budget. Right. Right. Okay? And then we, then we choose the financing company based on the plan that they choose. Okay, couple questions. So you're using multiple okay. financing options? Absolutely. There is not one size fits all for everybody. Oh. There are, you need a financing company that approves uh, low credit score people. You need a financing company that approves high credit score people. You need a financing company that has, that that wants to deal with low case patients, like, you know, the 500 to $4,000, $5,000 patients. And you need finance companies that, that deal, specialize in the 10, 20, 30, 50, $60,000 patients. And not every bank, services every person out there. Yeah. Okay. So I'm with you. So I'm pretending to be one of your audience sure. members. So it's big room. Yeah. There's 500 dentists. Yeah. You've just presented those different financing options mm-hmm. over those years. I can already hear quack, 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 yeah. you know, like why fine, the percent, rah, rah, like, yeah. so, and you, you've, you've had this conversation, like everybody's got starts quacking when that, so walk us through the yeah. quacking, like, uh, yeah. why would I want yeah. to do that type of thing, you know, and give okay, away. So- and, what you're going to give away? What ten percent discount rate? You're going to give away anywhere between five and fourteen percent cost to the practice, depending on the patient's credit worthiness. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. So so let's average it out and say it's nine to ten percent. Yeah, I'm going to give away. Okay. So, Kirk, if we do simple math, if this using third party allows me to do two crowns at the same time on a patient versus one crown, your profit margin goes from ten fifteen percent to 40, 50%. Right. Because how much longer does it take to do two crowns versus one crown? 100%. Yep. Okay. And, and so the, the, the margin is not in the savings of the discount fee. The margin is in doing more dentistry in a single visit. That Brilliant. makes up for the 10%. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I, I am on your side of the fence. Like I've, yeah. I, I'm, we're big supporters of care credit and yeah. they were ones that like, you take yeah. a look at this. And the other thing I learned too, correct me if I'm wrong, but in diagnosing practices, we find that the healthiest practices, a huge percentage of their revenue is financing. And our yeah. friends over there said, if 20% of your revenue and collections isn't coming from third party financing, you're missing out. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the numbers should be, we coach uh, our people to be between 15 and 25%. Okay. That's what we want, okay? We want 15 to 25% of our patients for the, our collections to come from payment plans. Right, that's great. Yeah, and, and, and those are healthy practices where they're doing lots of dentistry on fewer patients. Okay, cool. I'm a CE junkie, so give me yeah. some space. So I have so many, so you've heard this one too. The doctor should always talk about fees. The doctor should never talk yeah. about fees. Like where, coach me on that one. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on that one? Yeah, so I, I, I'm a big believer that I, I deal with everything head on. Right. Okay, so imagine if I went, look, I'm going to do some things and use analogies that some people are going to roll their eyes on. Yeah. Okay, but, but here's my belief. The clues are all around us. Okay. I'm going to talk about car dealerships and every, many of the dentists were like, Oh, we're not car dealerships. Totally get it. 
I'm not a car dealership, okay? Right. But car dealerships are selling more car than you need to people that shouldn't be able to afford that car. For sure. Okay? Because they're doing something right. Okay? So so for me, it really boils down to you got to forget about the discount fee. And, and it starts with giving the patient the chance to say yes to all of it. Okay. And then you have the financial menu in place so the patient can choose what, what they want to do. Okay. Yeah. So I want the patient to choose. And, and, and what we have found is that we work on less patients and, and we get a great result and everybody wins. I love it. I love it. Now you're going to take me. So we're going to combine concept number three and four, because I agree with you. Like the hidden opportunity is in time. You know, it's yeah. understanding the value of time. So take us through the scheduling yeah. piece of it. Yeah. All right. So one last part. So I talk about the financial arrangements. It's firm financial arrangements. Okay. Okay. Firm financial arrangements. And what I mean by that, you do not get on our schedule until you sign and leave a deposit. Right. Do you have a dollar amount that's a minimum or everything has to be signed? It, it, so, so let's, let's walk through this. I don't want to confuse people, so I'm going to keep it simple. <laughs> Sorry okay? for all the questions. I love this stuff, man. Sure. So remember I said there's two choices. Choice number one is you pay in full. Choice number two is you choose a payment plan. Yeah. If you choose a payment plan and it's a third-party service, great. Get approved. We'll schedule you. You're approved for the money. Right. We're going to get the money. Right. Okay, we go ahead and run your care credit, XYZ company, and we get the money, we schedule you, put, we put all your appointments on the books, okay, and that can knock it out. If you say, hey, hey, I'm going to pay all at, at the time of service, then we handle it this way. You leave a $100 deposit to get on the books, and then you owe the rest of it the day of service. Okay. Okay, now, for our sedation cases or our super large cases that are three, four, five hours long, we take a larger deposit, but again... Most dentists aren't doing lots of three, four, five hour dentistry. So let's keep it simple and focus on the, you know, the 30 minute to two hour appointments, take a hundred dollar deposit. It's enough money to make people say, well, I'm not really committed. I don't want to schedule right now. And that's what I want. I don't want anybody to schedule that's not committed. Again, Kirk, the clues are all around us. You do not get an airplane reservation without paying for your seat. Right. 100%. Okay. Now, talk, I, I totally love what you're saying. And talk about the importance of the writing piece. Cause some dentists are like, yeah. well, you don't need, I mean, do you really need it in writing? Yes, you do. need. Yes, it in yeah. absolutely. And, and, and here's why you need it in writing. 70% of your patients don't say yes right away. Mm. Okay. Okay. A lot of people, Hey, I got to go home and think about it. I'm not ready to decide. I got to look at my calendar. I got to think about it. And, and all, if you, if you didn't do this in writing, then they don't remember how you tell them they can pay for it. Right. Okay. So the in writing part is all about something they can keep in their drawer, something they can refer back to and they can say, Oh yeah, I need to, Oh, my tooth is hurting. I need to get this taken care of. You know, a month ago I went through this and let me look at my treatment plan. Oh, I need to choose this. Let me get this done. And the other part about in writing is there's something psychological about having somebody sign something and getting it in writing that they committed to this. Right. And so to me, it's about in writing is the psychology of it. And, I don't want people calling us back and saying, hey, I, I remember you talked about payment plans. What were my choices again? Just give it to you in writing. Yeah. And another thing, I'll just throw this into the mix. I have conversations and my wife will go, well, what, what was it? I'm like, I don't know. It was like, uh, I, I give her like fragmented information. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember what was talked about. I have a generalization and that's where potential conflict happens is I had an idea. You had an idea. It wasn't even close. And I'm paraphrasing, yeah. you know, so I said one thing, you heard another thing. And I told a person another thing. 100%. I love it. <laughs> I, I love yeah. it. Okay. So now once you have all that in the writing, schedule. yeah, let's go into the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wait, so, before uh, you do we it, work on, because I love yeah. this. So go to the philosophy side first before you go yeah. into the how. Like, I know you think about this stuff. Tell me about the why before the how yeah. on, on the time. Uh, because I'm inherently lazy. Okay? You are not. So, That's a lie. I am. That is a lie. I am. When, oh, all right, whatever. When, We're going to go with it. Look, look, let, let, I'm going to make up numbers here. I okay. want to produce a million dollars. I want to produce a million dollars in one patient in one day. That's okay. my goal. It's impossible. I get it. Okay. Right. right. All right. But, but why should I see a, a thousand patients to do a million dollars when I can see a hundred patients to do a million dollars or, or 500 patients to do a million dollars. Okay. And then number two is I don't like running from room to room. Right. Bottom line. 
Because for me, running from room to room means I got to have more team members. I got to have a bigger facility. I got to have more operatories. I got to create a big machine where it suddenly turns into I'm working to feed the machine right. and I get whatever may be left over. Right. And, and you feel like you're working for everybody else. So, so to me, that, I just don't want any of that. I, I went into dentistry to call the shots. Totally. Okay. So, so I, I want to be, I want to keep it simple. Uh, so, so our concept again on the scheduling is a, a column per provider on the schedule. So in your practice management software, there's a column per provider. Okay. Right. Now that may mean I work out of two rooms to, 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 you know, to most efficiently see my patients while, while the other rooms getting set up or torn down. But in the schedule, it's one column per provider. Most people, what they're doing is they're making a column per chair. And that's when chaos right. starts. Like it, it turns into utter chaos. Okay, go back okay. to that. That's really good. Explain that. You got to yeah. explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So, for example, I'm an eight operatory practice. Right. Okay. So, most people would have eight columns in their practice management software of choice. Right. Okay. In our practice, we're three hygienists, three dentists, and one other. We have seven columns in our office because we have seven providers. Right. Okay. Because a provider cannot be scheduled to be in more than one place at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, I may work out of multiple rooms, okay, but not with multiple patients in multiple rooms at the same time. Brilliant. But you're messing up my yeah. software already with this concept. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> no, I think it's really important what you're talking about because you got to think differently about your time. Now, I have so, uh, other questions I have is when you talk about scheduling, are you? how do you think about your day? Like, what's a day in your life? Like, yeah. w- walk me through, like, even the time element. Like, when do you like what you yeah. do? I, I would imagine you have preferences, right? To a certain degree, to okay. absolutely to a certain degree. So, so here, here's a challenge for me, Kirk. I got to go back 10, 12 years to answer some of these questions because that's going to relate to what most people are listening to. Right. Today, I work when the patient wants, but the patients always want what I provide. Okay, so. Wait, okay, so you're, I'm on, you know, I'm on delay here because I'm like, okay, wait, yeah, that's, sure. that's like messing with my brain. So explain that yeah. one. So for example, uh, I do hybrids uh, the second Wednesday of every month. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that's the day I do hybrids and the patients want to come in on that day because that's all we give them the choice for. Yeah. But if, if they say, I say I do hybrids on Wednesday, they may say, I want to come in Wednesday morning. I'll be there Wednesday morning. If they say I want to come in Wednesday afternoon, I'll be there Wednesday afternoon, but I do it on Wednesday. Right. Right. And you know, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a goal Mm -hmm. standpoint where this has Mm -hmm. to be, and you talk about this with your team quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there's tremendous clarity around this. Yeah, there, there is. And, and maybe not as much as as uh, a lot of offices. Uh, I have little pods of, of, of finance. Of, of, uh, we're transparent. Our practice overall is transparent with all team members. But the nitty gritty is down to pods of people. Like I don't bore my assistants with hygiene numbers. Right. OK, I, I don't. But I do bore the whole team with production collections, AR things like that. Okay. I don't bore my hygienist with my hybrid numbers because very few, like almost none of our patients that need hybrids come through hygiene department. Right. Okay. Most of them come either by referral or direct to consumer marketing. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so one thing, again, the clues are all around us. Right. Okay. I learned this in the medical surgical model. For example, when you go to a plastic surgeon, they say, I do consults on Tuesdays. And I do surgeries on Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. And what do patients that want plastic surgery do? Well, I guess I'll get my breasts done on Monday or Wednesday. Right. Right. Because that's the day I've set up for me to do that for that the surgeon to do that type of procedure. So I take that mentality for my part of the practice. Right. Okay. And, I, and I feel like it's just a value thing, don't you think? Because, I mean, talk to any vascular surgeon. They're going to tell you right away, I do these on Tuesday. That's it. Yep. You know, uh, yeah. sleep sleep dentistry, the top guy here in town, mm-hmm. he's like, I only do anything on Thursday. I'm like, okay, well, that's yeah. pretty cool. They're, yeah. they're, they're, and once you have the trust of the patient, you can pretty much guide them into what you provide for the most part, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and look, this gets into a deeper conversation of of a commodity general dentistry versus right. advanced emotional dentistry, where patients are choosing you because you're a perceived expert in that field. Okay, right. so it gets into a much deeper conversation. But let's kind of back it up to to you know to everyday messaging okay. on, on the scheduling concept. So our concept is uh, what we call priority scheduling, 
and there's there's three levels to it, okay? And then we can dive in as deep as you want, okay? Level one is your traditional block scheduling. What's okay. been taught since the 80s, 90s, you know, whatever. I think it's antiquated personally, but it's the traditional model, okay? And the block scheduling is rock, paper, scissors, sand, waters, whatever, they, whatever it is. And you block uh, on a production basis. You block production waste. So we have rock procedures that are, in our practice, $2,000 or more. You have sand procedures that are, you know, three to $500. And you have water procedures that basically pay you nothing. Right. Okay. That's a great starting point. So if your schedule is a free-for-all where patients can just choose when they go, a great place to start is what we call level one scheduling, which is your traditional block schedule. Love it. Okay. Now, once a practice implements block scheduling, gets the team on board with that, Remember, you got to learn to crawl before you can walk, before you can run, okay? I didn't get here overnight, okay? So I, I don't want people to mishear my message and say, I got to jump into where he's at 22 years in. You got to remember, hey, this is how I started years zero through four or five. Right. We start with traditional block scheduling. Now, once we get control of our schedule with traditional block scheduling, the next concept is a time-based concept. Okay. And that's a time base for a single patient. So we, again, we stick to the block concept, but what we do is we block four hour blocks, three hour blocks, and two hour blocks for one patient at a time. So a patient that needs four hours worth of work, a patient that needs three hours worth of work, and a patient that needs two hours worth of work. Okay. And we have multiple blocks depending on your historical, historical data of what type of dentistry you're doing. And we block that many patients. Now, the type of dentistry and the dollar amount does not matter to me. Okay. Okay. But it's an oxymoron. If you're going to work on somebody for four hours, by and large, you're going to do dentistry that's super productive. Right. Because what the hell are you going to do for somebody on four hours? Like nobody does an occlusal composite for four hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. And your team knows okay. what allotment to give to patients very well on that on that end of things. Yes, because every time we diagnose, we we close the conversation with our time, fear, and money close. Okay, and that's that's where we tell a patient, hey, this type of dentistry, I need to see you twice uh, for two to three two hours the first visit, one uh, sorry three hours the first visit, two hours the second visit, about three weeks apart. Okay. Okay. So that's the time we go at the closing of every conversation. I review the time. For the patient to hear and for the team members to hear. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. The fear, the, the fear, the fear part of that is, hey, Kirk, if you want, we can always look at doing any of this work under sedation. Mm. Okay. The money part is, hey, Kirk, before we ever begin in our practice, our promise is you will get this in writing, what we're doing, how long it takes, how much it costs, and how you can pay, pay for it. Yeah. Okay. So every conversation, every treatment planning conversation, every hygiene conversation that I do ends with the time fear and money close. That that kind of goes back to block two, the communication block. Like I said, there's so much to all of this, right? But we want to peel the onion back one layer at a time. Yeah. Okay. So level two scheduling is we start we start prioritizing patients that need four hours with the dentistry, three hours with the dentistry, and to a certain degree, two hours with the dentistry. Okay. And then everything else is Swiss cheese. Everything else fits into one hour block. Everything else is one hour. Okay. okay. Like we don't have any appointment less than one hour in our practice. Okay. Even okay. if it's simple. You and need then, to come in. You you need to come in for a bite adjustment. It's one hour. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Everything's one hour. Just keeps it simple. So, and then what's, yeah. num what's number three on the time thing? Level, level three is what we call uh, procedure or bust. Okay. So for example, in my, my, my scenario, the second Wednesday of every month is a hybrid. If we don't have a hybrid that month, I don't work. So what do you do? You just take it off and just go? It depends. Like in my practice, we have multiple doctors there, so I can take it off. Yeah. Okay. Because hygiene is covered. But typically what I'll do is I'll come in and coach the team. Oh. I'll work with my front office team. I'll listen to hygiene conversations. I'll work with my treatment coordinator. You know, I'll catch up on other things I need. I don't like to catch up on things. I like to be in that time coaching. Yeah. I like to use my eight to five hours as they're working on my practice, not from a business side, but from a future side. What, yeah. what seeds am I planting for the future? Yeah. I love this, buddy. I love the way you think. And behind it is the thread of systems, like everything you've described. Yeah. Can you just talk about the, like, I know you're a systematic thinker. So I'm a systematic thinker. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm a systematic thinker. I am not, 
I am not. Yeah, you're correct, Kirk. We may have systems in place, but I don't ever think of anything as systems because I don't, I don't, I just don't work that way. I think, I think that way, right. but I don't, I don't necessarily execute that way. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'm a believer in we're firm in principle, flexible in procedure. And a person that's firm in principle, flexible in procedure isn't systematic in the sense that, because I think of systems as if you say no to this, then we can't see. Right. And I, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that we're firm in principle, flexible in procedure. I love this, buddy. Gosh, I have like so many more questions. We're going to do a couple more episodes on this because like whatever you want, I love I'm the way you open. think. I, I mean, uh, and and you're you're always bending my brain every time you. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa I got to think about that one. So, uh, I want you to any last thoughts before we. I want you, we're going to talk yeah. about what you guys are up to, but yeah. before we do that, any last thoughts on the ninety ten yeah. process? Yeah. Well, it's not it's not necessarily on the ninety ten, but it, it's the overarching message. Okay, listen. If you're listening to this, Kirk's podcast, anybody else's podcast, my podcast, listen, it's your name on the door, mm-hmm. okay? You should be controlling and calling the shots, right. okay? So there's nobody that says you have to do it my way. You don't have to do it Kirk's way. You don't have to do it anybody's way. You have to do it your way, right. okay? It's your name on the door. It's your business. You're the one that spent a half million dollars to get through school. You're the one that took out the million dollar loan to do this. You're the one that's responsible for anywhere from four to 15 people and their families and they're making payroll and, and your own family. It's your name on the door. Yeah. Okay. If you're not a practice owner and you're an associate, you control and own your operatory. Your ability to earn is directly related to what you diagnose, how you communicate it, how you make it affordable for people and how you run your schedule and your practice. Okay. So, so to me, to me, it's relatively straightforward. It, it's, it's, that's what's beautiful about dentistry. It is what you want it to be. And there's 800 ways to skin a cat. Very well said, brother. Very well said. Now, a couple things. If I'm yeah. listening and I've never, I want you to take us to your podcast. Tell us, and if I look at your courses, like, do you have a couple courses? Where do I start? Yeah. Like all that stuff. Explain yeah. that. How do I find out more about I, what I you do? I guess it's sales pitch time, right? You bet. You bet. Let's, well, here's the here's the truth. Uh, we have a lot yeah. of you, I, I, and there's so much great CE. And if you're listening and you think it's a sales price, it is, but I want you to do something. And I yeah. know because I've had many people go out to your thing. No one ever comes back and goes, that wasn't worth it. Everybody comes back and goes, that was amazing. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing I want you to speak to is there's something about getting on a plane and going somewhere oh, and giving yourself oh my God. permission to be fully present, right? Does that make sense? Oh, my Oh, Kirk, you are hitting a hot button for me, man. Look, Kirk, you sell online training. I sell online training. At the end of the day, the most effective way to learn anything is to get the hell out of your home, completely focus on what you're doing, and get around other like-minded individuals. 100%. Something magical happens when you're just around people and start talking to people. Yep. Or even if you don't like to talk to people, something magical happens when you <laughs> sit in the corner and listen to other people talk. Agreed. Just amazing things happen. Okay. Yeah. So look, we run 3D Dentists. We provide training and, 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 and we provide business and clinical training. Okay. And I don't think, I, I don't believe that you can do one without the other. Right. Because my dad very early in my career said, Hey, you're taking all this clinical CE. Have you ever learned how to get your patients to say yes to any of this? Mm. Okay. So you got to have some level of business. I call it soft skills. Right. Okay. You got to have the soft skills to go along with the clinical skills. Okay. So we we have a combination of both. If you want to learn the soft skills, we have our mastermind program, which is, I think it's fantastic way to be dentist first, to be around other dentists, to have a level of accountability and to learn the simplistic things that we talked about. If you want to learn clinical skills, our, our, our primary program is a live patient implant education, where if you want to get into implants, uh, and you want to work on live patients here in the United States of America, we provide that. Hey, if you're already doing implants, and when you go to the next level with sinus lifts, full arch cases, advanced grafting, we provide patients for you when you can come learn under expert guidance of other general dentists just like you who are doing it on a daily basis. Of course, with Aaron Elliott, we have our sleep apnea training. One of my favorite programs that we do, and I think uh, one of the most effective programs we do is our oral sedation training. I think every practice in this country needs to provide oral sedation for their patients because that 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 in of itself, next to photography, is the key to doing fewer well-planned visits. Nobody wants to sit in the dental chair for three hours awake. No one. Right. Okay. 
no one in their right mind. And if somebody says, yes, I want to be awake for three, four hours, say no to them and run away. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you guys do. You didn't even talk about the food at all. Like I feel FOMO. Yeah. When I'm, I'm looking at those photos and I'm feeling left out. I mean, look, you guys, yeah. you guys do some mean cooking out there, don't you? Yeah. So, so look, it, it's real simple. Everything we do is based on two things. One, what we do in our practices. Right. We don't teach anything that we haven't done and done pretty successfully in our office. Number two, everything we do is based on how I would want CE to be experienced. Right. Okay. Nothing drove me more crazy than to go to a CE event, get done with the class and go to the hotel at five o'clock and be like, what the hell do I do? Right. Who do I talk to? I don't know anybody. So that's where the retreat concept came out of. Before we had the retreat, I hosted everybody at my house every every time we had a class. And and then the next thing is I hate restaurants because I hate because number look, I'm just gonna be honest with people. A restaurant's a crapshoot. Right. You it, your experience at the restaurant has nothing to do with the food, okay? It has everything to do with the three people you're around. Right. If you don't like the three people you're around, you're stuck there for two hours with those three people. Right. Okay. So so we believe in cooking. So we have our flat top grill, our grill, and we cook. We'll cook hibachi. We'll cook fajitas. We'll do beef tenderloin. And we'll do all kinds of stuff. So that way everybody has that home feeling. And, and it, it, it invites the concept of just talking to each other. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where the magic happens. Uh, look, I believe our retreat is magical that – we just hear it over and over again that it's a unique experience and people come here, they get motivated, they learn something, they get motivated and they go back and do it. And what more could you ask for as an educator? It's awesome, buddy. It's awesome. So you guys got to check it out. So make sure you follow T-Bone. If you're not following him on social media and his podcast, make sure you at least do that. Check out the courses. And again, if you're not taking notes, we're doing it for you. Just as Stitcher, Spotify, Google, it doesn't matter. Flip up to the notes. You'll see all the links that T-Bone had mentioned. And we actually created an outline. So if you didn't listen to the whole thing, at least go back and look at the outline. And it's awesome. So T-Bone, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, man. Kirk. Thank you guys for having me on i love what you're doing for dentistry hey man thank you so stick around we say goodbye with everybody else but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show podcast hey if you enjoyed today which i know you did just do us a favor hit the share button keep sharing with your friends i don't even know what we're doing but we're having fun doing it and uh, i'll have t-bone back again and again we're gonna be talking about different things and uh hope you're getting a lot of this so until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time keep watching the best practices show you guys enjoy your day So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.